All right, guys, last call on PGA Tour Live for the 2018 season, $39.99 at PGATourLive.com. Order it now, and you will get the full treatment for the entire season. There's a reason we tell you guys every week that it's worth it. We've got it, and we will continue to be subscribers in 2018. Also, last call on the Callaway Golf Gift Guide. Go to callawaygolf.com slash gift guide. The deals run through the end of the year. Custom Epic Driver. Dozen Chrome Soft Golf Balls for $31.99 with personalization. Trust me. Stop by the website. For now, let's get to Adam Sarson, and we're going to wrap up the 2017 season. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Not uh, Probably not the final episode of the year for 2017, but did want to do a recap of what was a pretty monumental year in uh, in golf, and there's no better person to do that with than an old friend of the podcast, Adam Sarson, who annually does his top 100 stories uh, in golf for the year. Sarson, exactly how much of a time suck is this process? uh more than i think you probably realize um i uh i i I start essentially a a spreadsheet back in you know usually in the middle of january or so every year um and i just kind of add to it you know piece by piece as we kind of go along um and then you know towards i would say october end of october early november i try to start piece i try to start piecing it together um into like a top 100 you know kind of combining stories here and there um, yeah, it's, uh, it, and then I actually just have to take the time to, to, to write them out as well. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of work, definitely a lot of work. Do you get like a fear, like an anxiety that you're going to accidentally leave out like a huge story? Oh yeah. All the time. I mean, and that, and that's actually why I usually ask like at least three or four people to look it over and make sure that I haven't done that. Um, uh, Brendan Porath looked it over for me a couple weeks ago and suggested a few things that I missed. So, um, um, you know, it, it, it is, it, it is a big, big fear of mine that I'm going to forget something. And, uh, you know, thank, thankfully I've got people who want to take a look at it before it goes out. So, uh, that, that's at least very good for me. What is something that you, that you kind of realized in the process of piecing together at the end, like the biggest story that you kind of forgot happened during the year? Uh, God, that's, a, that's good. I, I, it's, you know, it might be, uh, you know, there was so much obviously going on at, at, uh, at Aaron Hills. Um, that I, I kind of like forgot that like for like a good two days, like all anyone ever wanted to talk about was why they were cutting the fescue. Um, and it was just like, it was just this random thing. Like I know, um, you know, Andy at the fried egg is, you know, was basically on it, you know, for, you know, <laughs> giving it a lot of coverage over, over two days, you know, it's was, it was just one of those things that you just kind of forget, you know, forget, you know, kind of happened. Like, you know, even something like, uh, you know, the, all the crazy wind that happened in the Bahamas for that first uh, that first round on the web earlier this year, um, you know, Louis Ustazen completed the career runner-up Grand Slam, things like that. You know, so it, it kind of it, it's easy to forget some of these things when you talk about the the great kind of year that we had too. 
to, for me, and we're not going to go through all 100. We don't. We definitely don't have the time for that. But for me, it honestly was that DJ fell down a flight of stairs and withdrew from the Masters. Like <laughs> you, you could have told me that was last year, and I would have believed it. Like I totally forgot that that happened this year. That's that's my favorite part of reading it every year is just going back and be like, oh my, that's right, that happened this year. It's so easy to get kind of caught up in the news cycles and you know the ups and downs and kind of want to brush things off. And uh, it is kind of surprising to me too when you get. When you get kind of near or the, in the intro to the list, like the first 50, like not the top 50, but the first 50, I'm like, man, that was one of the top 100 stories of the year. Like Jim Furyk missed the Open Championship. <laughs> it's kind of like, man, golf might actually kind of be boring sometimes. Uh, sometimes it is. I mean, the, th- well, the funny thing is, like, the, the thing about Furyk, too, it's like, well, you know, when, when, when you talked about the ridiculous amount of consistency he's had, like it, it's kind of it's kind of big when he when you know he's he hasn't he's like missed one major since like 95 or 96 um you know when he wasn't hurt um so you know it is it is kind of big you know one of the other things too is like you know tyler uh tiger you know his his early season schedule plan right it's like you know it was actually in the beginning of january when he started out in dubai and looked you know just completely awful and all that so you know he's come a long way too and it's very easy to think that that was probably 2015 or 2016 at this point yeah and i I looked at that and 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 i i as somebody who you know does content for a living i i I would imagine I would hate if like my order of how I ranked him was critiqued too heavily, but the, the, you did have that Tiger's uh, schedule story pretty far down the list. And I, I started thinking, I was like, man, that might be, that should maybe be a more important story. But I think at that point, Tiger was pretty much a ticking time bomb and it was the back was going to go off no matter what he did with that early season schedule. I know a lot of people blame that schedule, but you know, I thought after what we saw at the Hero last year that you know people got pretty optimistic and that was a pretty big story when he came out and you know, crapped out again, three tournaments into the entire season. So, um, so maybe it turn, turns maybe, out, it turns out, a, you know, a 13 hour flight to Dubai commercial probably wasn't the best idea, you know, probably, probably not, but I don't know. That's, that's kind of where I go back to like, all right, if, if a flight did that, then something else was going to do it. Oh, you yeah. know, it wasn't, it wasn't the, uh, the end all be all that, but all right, I do want to get in some of those top stories, but first I want to pick your brain and clarify a few things. I did listen to your excellent, uh, appearance on the fried egg podcast with poor Ath and Andy and, <laughs> Uh, there was a, I had, I was texting all three of you guys at some point while listening to it in the car over here, uh, about what my takes on the Ryder cup for next year were bastardized one. And some of the, uh, there were some <laughs> straw man narratives that were thrown out. So, you know, I can't, uh, anytime you and I get together on a podcast, we're going to talk about the Ryder cup. So I want to actually start with that a little bit. Uh, and I, I want, I want you, I, first I want to hear what you think my current stance is on the 2018 Ryder cup. I, I would like so the current stance that I believe you have on the 2018 Ryder Cup. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong. You did a pod, I believe, with Kyle Porter, um, where you basically, well, as you guys always do, is you talk a lot about the Ryder Cup when you guys get together, um, and it, it made it definitely seem like you were predicting like a giant rout next year in France in favor of the Americans. That's what my general thought was. Okay. Well, see that that was not my intention. Uh, my my stance on it is that the U.S. team won sixteen and a half to eleven and a half over what is admittedly a very was a very weak European team in twenty sixteen. That twenty sixteen team did not have Justin Thomas, did not have Patrick Cantlay, and did not have Daniel Berger. And now I know that it might be a bit presumptuous to kind of pencil can't lay in on that team, but I think I'm, I'm of the, the opinion. A lot of people are of this opinion that, that that win in Vegas was not a fluke and it is going to be 
uh, a trend towards something pretty special, and he's on his way to being a top 20, top 10 player of the world, I think. So uh, my stance was just like, especially with the comments Rory made and seeing what we saw out of that U.S. President's Cup team with JT, with Berger, and kind of even had more of that young firepower that we've been talking about up and coming from the U.S. team, is that we have a very, very strong team. I've always been very uh, apprehensive about the fact that, you know, the European team is adding Rom, who is a top five player in the world. I think we can say minimum top 10 player in the world who was not on the European team in 16, but with also Europe, some of Europe's top players entering a time period. I'm not going to say aging, but entering the latter half of their careers. Definitely. I mean, we've seen, we've seen guys like Phil extend way into their forties and stuff and play competitively in that event. And I'm not saying Stenson and Sergio and Rose are done by any means, but not, I wouldn't say they're in their prime prime. I know Sergio won the masters this past year, but it's not like, you know, we're going to see anything necessarily different from Sergio next year that I think the U S is set up to, to do very well over the Ryder cup for the next eight years. I'm not predicting a romp. I think the U S is going to win. Don't get me wrong. I think we are going to win. I think we'll be favorited. The problem I've had recently is just this argument that's come out of like, well, Europe has 10 of the top 20 ranked players in the world. It's, it's like, wait, yeah. wait a second here. How much have we talked about official world golf rankings, how much it favors the Europeans and how much it during this time of the year specifically it is a system that basically is designed for European players to clean up ranking points at this time of year when U.S. players are not obtaining them. Uh, and this all of a sudden is like a good argument for why the Europeans are going to win next year. And uh, Come on. That, that's the worst argument you, I've heard. You're, you know, you're, you're siding with Grayson Murray right now. Um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's look. It's one of those things where, like, I no. In, in fairness, I may have. In fairness to you, I may have combined your take on the pod with with Kyle, along with all the other takes that were kind of flying around in the wake of the president. Well, actually, during the president's stuff, since it was such a route, um, you know. So that 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 may have been uh, that may have been a mistake on on my part, thinking that you were predicting a romp specifically. Um, now it, it's like for me, it's like you know, I, I I'm I wrote something probably in just in probably the week after the president's job ended. Um, and I do think that like people are making it out to be like, you know, the Americans are going to go out and dominate. I just don't see it. I mean, it's like, I, I have, I have no doubt that the Americans are probably going to be favorited and they probably should be. Um, but I mean, like, you know, the Americans have won twice on, uh, on European soil since, since Europe was integrated properly in 1979. Like, it's not like it's going to be a, a walk away by any means. And I mean, it's not just ROM either, right? I mean, to, to your point, like, yeah, sure. I, I don't think any American is going to be, you know, terrified if they have to go up against, you know, Francesco Molinari or something in a, you know, in, in a Ryder Cup singles match. But like, you know, players like Tommy Fleetwood yeah. and Tyrrell Hatton and Alex Noren are legit players. Like, it's not... You know, I think I think the idea that you know people are just saying, well, we've got Daniel Berger and we've got JT and we've got all this and all that. It's like, yeah, it's great, but like, it's just it's it's a very uh, it's a very easy thing for people to just to overlook the Europeans as well. I think. Yeah, and and and, and by no means do I think the Europeans should be dismissed, and I think I've made that clear here. And I think kind of like when when Alan Shipnick wrote his "The Ryder Cup is Dead" thing, it it just kind of. People were like tagging me in that, like, "Oh, see, another one of you guys is getting wet." I was like, "Wait a second, here, that isn't remotely close to what I've said about the Ryder Cup." Like, I, I, I know why he wrote that. It was to, to rile everyone up and piss off the Europeans and everything. And I feel like, yeah, it, 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 it did work. It was too easy. Everyone took the bait, but um, 
that's that's kind of where and back to your point on you know they have won twice over there in the past however many years to me i i honestly just throw that out because i feel i honestly feel like things have changed with the entire Ryder cup process when it comes to the u.s team and talking to furic about it on the podcast a couple weeks ago and just talking about how they've kind of set up more of a system similar to how Europe has done it over the years, meaning, you know, a captain needs to be an assistant captain before becoming a captain and kind of the whole process that goes into selecting teams, pairings and everything just seems to be such a unified, much more unified approach. And a a lot of the guys that were contributing so much to those losing teams are are out of the picture now. Um, And so, and we have, and that's that, that they haven't won over there. doesn't bother me a lot because I think it's a new era. Like speed, yeah, speed and Reed were on the team that lost in 14, but like, so was Hunter Mahan and Keegan Bradley and a lot of guys that are not going to be there. (laughs) And that just, that, that, in that they, regard, they were it going up me. against Stephen Gallagher and Thomas Bjorn, and like it wasn't like you know it wasn't like a murderer's row over there either on the other side though. But that team, like Europe, was favored to win that and should have won that and easily won it. Like that was pretty predictable in my mind. I had no hope that on, and, and you can go back to my tweets from 2014. I had no hope that we were going to win that Ryder Cup. It's to, it's a diff, totally different scenario starting for next year. And <laughs> Tom, uh, Tom Watson ain't walking through that door. Right? He's not walking through that door. So uh, I just wanted to get it on record, kind of my what I, I think we are going to win but i'm not like just it's far from a foregone conclusion in this event how many times has the u.s team been favored and lost it it, like very badly um and yeah chris riley chris riley and brett wetterick are not walking through that door though so we're (laughs) we're we're this is a much different era and you know just it 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 shocked me and maybe rory kind of wants to play that underground underdog role a little bit but it shocked me that on the podcast he's like yeah we're going to be up against it for the next decade and i was like I mean, I, I think it's going to get worse for Europe going forward than it is necessarily for 2018. Um, but I right. think I think it will be competitive. But I'm I'm predict I haven't decided what my final prediction is. But it's going to be something like 15 and a half, 12 and a half US. I think so. <laughs> so so you're going you're doing it again. Yeah, I, I'm predicting that they're going to win. That's never been. But I don't want people acting like my take is it's a yeah. foregone conclusion we're going to win. So I'll, I'll stand yeah. here and take the take. If we lose, I'll take the abuse. I mean, come on, I'll be there and I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll listen to it from the fans and everything. So, uh, but all right, for the reason we had you on. Sorry to sorry to get that get deterred there, but uh, we had had to clear clear <laughs> the air there. But uh, all right, so what? Without giving too much spoiler alert, I think we are going to give a, a bit of spoiler uh, on on your top. But what what do you have as your top golf story of the year in twenty seventeen? Uh, you know, it's probably going to surprise. So I'm sure a lot of people listening to this right now are just going to go on the assumption that I think it's Sergio winning the Masters. But um, J- JT just doing what he did um, has to be the number one story of the year, right? I mean, like, you know, not only does he go out there and win his first major and, you know, show up on, you know, in his first team competition at the President's Cup, like, you know, there's a lot of things. Like, so he won, he won five times in 2017. Um, he, he shot 59 at the Sony, which somehow seems to be forgotten. It seems at least to a lot, like I, nobody's not a lot of people seem to be talking about that right now. Um, you know, he's number three in the world. I mean, I, you know, even, even you, you know, you're, uh, you know, I, I hear, I hear you're a bit of a fan of his, um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think that even, even you probably wouldn't have predicted that he would have gotten to number three in the world at this point. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I had very high expectations for him, uh, but I, and I've said this many times on this podcast. I th- I think I kind of felt a bit too close to it and didn't. I didn't realize it could be this good. I really didn't. And uh, I think, but but he was always adamant about that. And that's the thing is, you know, kind of, and not in like a cocky way, but he was just always 
like he, he, I think he was just dead serious. Like back in April, when he told me he's like, "I'm good. I'm going to win a major this year, at least one." And and he said some pretty outrageous things that have turned out to mostly be true or like very close to being true. Like after he shot 59, he's like, "I I can go lower." And no joke, Sarson's power just cut out, which makes possibly the easiest decision ever for an ad break. And so if you haven't heard, it was an unbelievable year for Callaway Golf, and they just launched what is called the Photo Issue, which is an amazing interactive magazine showcasing their best images and moments of the year. We've got Arnold Palmer's Augusta National Yardage Book, custom wedges for the NBA champs, the launch of the number one selling driver. Of course, we are talking about the Epic Go to thephotoissue.callawaygolf.com and check it out. That's thephotoissue.callawaygolf.com. Now let's get back to the rest of our podcast with Adam Sarson. All right, Canada is apparently not paying their electric bills. Uh, we are picking this back up about 11 days later. Sarson, your power just went out and hasn't been. has it been on since I last spoke to you? It, it, it has been on, um, but, you know, unfortunately, the... Uh, yeah, apparently it was a it was a combination of the of the of the cold weather that we had just kind of got blasted with and the snow uh, knocked knocked my power out for a good uh, good three hours and then it came back on but my Wi-Fi wasn't working it was just this it was this whole mess and then of course you know you're a you know fancy world traveler these days so you know it's it, it's it's kind of tough for us to kind of sync up on these things when uh, when my power goes out and you're and you're halfway around the world. Your, your freezing cold takes literally froze out your power, but we're back. We're I, back. No one is, and I'm still and I'm still very cold. I'd like to point that out. It is still very cold here. It's but, 75 uh, in Melbourne today, so um, which is what like 23 in your little Celsius talk. But uh, no one listening to this. It doesn't matter to anyone listening to this because it just rolls right from minute to minute. But we're back. We're, we're gonna we're dedicated to finishing this. We got through exactly one of the top 100 stories from last year, but we pretty much did close it with JT. Uh, what, what's next on your list is kind of the, the big things that stuck out to you from 2017. Uh, it, it, it has to be Sergio, doesn't it? Um, I mean, I mean, obviously people are going to think that, you know, obviously I'm a big Sergio fan. So, I mean, it's, uh, it, it I, I've got a little bit of a personal uh, connection to it, but the fact is, is that like, you know, he won, he won his first major. He finally, finally got it done. Um, you know, in a spectacular fashion at, at Augusta, it was the one, I mean, I think, I think I can comfortably say that this was the one that of all of them that he probably wasn't supposed to win. Right. I mean, it's not, you know, he's always done well at, at, at the open and, and even he's done pretty well at the U S open as well. Um, but him actually finally, you know, finally slaying the dragon at, at, at Augusta and, uh, doing, doing it in a different way too, you know, like, you know, everyone always said too, like, oh, you know, the way he's going to win one is if, you know, he he starts the day a little further back. You know, he goes out and he and he posts a 65 or something to kind of sit in the clubhouse. You know, the leaders kind of fall back, and you know, maybe maybe it's uh, an inexperienced guy at the top who kind of falters, and you know, he kind of just gets in and wins it by one. But like, you know, he actually battled Justin Rose, one of the best players in the world, down the stretch. You know, for a good portion there, it looked like he was going to completely blow it and be a, you know, the, the, the standard Sergio can't close a, a major tournament narrative was definitely ringing through my ears on the, at the start of the back nine. But, uh, you know, he, he ended up getting it done and doing it in a way that I don't think any of us really thought he was going to do it. I love how you posting the same gif for years over and over qualifies as a personal connection to, to Sergio Garcia. No, that's, that's oh, perfect. I mean, first personal connection is a little strong. I mean, blocked. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, I don't even know where to go with that. Are you still uh, blocked on Twitter by him? 
Oh yeah, I, and for reasons which I'm not entirely sure of. If somebody wants to ask them, they you know, feel free. But uh, I, I'm I'm actually not. I am. I am still blocked. Wow, he just hates Canada. Um, Apparently, so it's easy to forget that uh, in that Masters. On the 13th hole, Sergio was left of Ray's Creek off the tee. Justin yep. Rose is in the middle of the fairway, and he's trailing Rose by two at that point. And I felt I have I don't have any regrets, honestly, in writing him off at that point. I think I made a joke at that point. It was like this is this is where it ends. I don't even regret that because the odds of him coming back to win, uh, come cover that deficit, being in that spot. I thought he was going to make double there. I think he ended up making. Par or birdie? Yeah, and... yeah, no, he made, made par. He he got he got back on and 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 made a and made a putt. And then Rose, Rose, I believe, missed a relatively short putt for birdie that that uh, ended up and he ended up making par as well. And yeah, no, that was yeah that that was crazy. There was no way he should have been able to come back from that being left at Race Creek on thirteen. Yeah, and then the eagle on fifteen, and just the way that that all came together was that was special. It was, and I, I don't know. I feel like I hate doing this after a guy that just won a major and had his, you know, the biggest moment of his career. But I felt like it got very quiet for Sergio after the Masters. I think he might still be celebrating that. <laughs> I mean, well, wouldn't you be? I know. Um, I know. I, just, I mean, he. But in in fairness to him, like he he won he won earlier in the year in the Middle East. Won won at won at the Masters, and then I mean, he won he won his his National Open. Like he won the Spanish Open after um after the masters i mean obviously you know he got married too like he's you know they have a kid coming along the way like it was a it was a pretty busy year for him right no i'm just thinking of it in terms of of like again the way i think in Ryder cup like i'm i don't know i don't to, you're going to correct me cuz uh, i was about to say correct me if i'm wrong and i promise you will but like i don't i don't necessarily fear sergio next year in the Ryder cup i know we're a long ways out for that but i don't know i just it, it, as amazing Sorry. as that was that he won the masters i just think that I don't know. I don't necessarily like I said this at the time. I don't think this like opens the floodgates for Sergio to win a bunch of majors. Oh no, I I, I don't I don't think it. I think the notion of opening the floodgates is flawed in the, in the first place. But I mean, I, it, it's also probably a little more flawed now considering the depth of talent too, right? I mean, Sergio is what he's turning thirty eight. I think this year. Like, I mean, it's not, you know, he's obviously, you know, getting up, not getting up there. Like he's not done by any means, but like, you know, there, there's too many guys who are in that, you know, 20 to 25 year old range that are going to be, you know, done in for their, for their major ones too. Um, you know, I, I, I question you a little bit on the whole, I wouldn't be scared of Sergio at the Ryder cup then only because I mean, he is still one of the best players in the world. Like it's not, you know, I, I, I don't know, I don't know what else he has to do in that in that event as well to kind of make you a little nervous about going up against them. I mean, yeah, it's a bad even, take. It's a bad take. Yeah, I'll just it's, say a, it. it's a yeah, it's a bad take. I knew when so, I pref- when I prefaced it that it was going to be a bad take that I shouldn't shouldn't have said it, but yeah, it's fine. He shot he shot sixty three in the in the match on Sunday against as soon Bill. As I even said admit. that. I was like, I'm thinking about that match. Okay, I can it's admit bad. it. I can move on. Yeah. Um, it's good. All right. After Sergio winning the Masters, I see written down here the Jordan Spieth winning the Open Championship. Why is that one of the biggest stories of the year to you? Uh, it, it's. I mean, it's one of those things where you know Spieth. Uh, I mean, obviously everyone remembers what he did on thirteen, right? I mean, he's he's tied on thirteen with Matt Kuchar, um, and he he sends it so far right. I believe I can't I can't remember if it was Peter Jacobson. It was somebody on the call. Who said that it looked like it was a hundred yards right of of where his target was? Um, Spieth clarified that as well. I was like, well, no, it's like it you know bounced off a dude's head, like it went into the dune, like it wasn't that far right. 
But I mean, you know, he goes off to the goes off to the practice range, and you know, he ends up. I don't know how long that whole saga took. It felt like it took about 20, 25 minutes for it to for it to kind of get resolved. Johnny's telling him to go back to the T and re T for reasons which don't make any sense to me. Um, you know, he ends up salvaging that whole almost aces the next one on 14. Like he he's down one at this point, almost aces it, makes an eagle on 15, birdie 16 and 17. Uh, and basically just blows the doors off a of cooch at the at the end of the tournament. Like, it, on top of being a major, it's just like the actual finish itself. Like it, it was it was spectacular to watch. I mean, he, you know, it, it was just it was your typical Jordan Spieth kind of kind of moment. It was it was incredible. It, I, when I think back to that day, I think you get the two the two sides of Jordan Spieth it, all in one round. Yeah. You get the boat. You got both sides of it. You got. The guy, and listen, we're talking about a guy who's, I don't know how many time winner at the age of 24 on the PJ Tour and a three time major winner, but it does seem he does have these moments on Sundays that appear rather shaky. And it it does, you know, sleeping on the lead, it didn't, he was, he was not sharp the first 13 holes, and it took until that way, way right shot to kind of wake him up. I honestly think that. I think he was just kind of playing, protecting the lead, and it rattled him to the point where it's like, all right. I'm done with this kind of whatever protecting the lead kind of thing it is. And I'm just going to start firing at flags. And that's when everything changed. And I, I know that that, that that thing took about 20 minutes to do that, that drop and all of that. And Kuchar had to wait, but I think Kuchar played two under par. He bogeyed the 18th. He needed to, he essentially needed to birdie it. And I, I don't, he, he played two under par from, from 14 to 17 with the lead and got left in the dust. Like it wasn't yeah. fair. <laughs> Yeah, there there was there was nothing more that that Kuchar could have done at, at that point to 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 try to win that tournament. Like he he played he played just fine. Um, you know, I think it's 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 interesting. Like I know I know Kyle Porter always talks about how uh, you know how Spieth can kind of get like can kind of get slappy off the tee. Like he's not he's not the best driver of the ball. We know that, but I mean like the thing that the thing where you should be able to compare him to to Tiger in in one regard. Um, is that, you know, everyone always talks about how Tiger, you know, how great he was at, you know, winning with, with when he didn't have his A game, right? Like that's always one of the things that always gets said, you know, the idea that he turned, you know, a round that looked like potentially a 74 or a 75 and he would shoot 70 or 71 and just kind of hang around and stay in it. Um, you know, Spieth did that same thing at, uh, at the Travelers earlier this year too, right? Like, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, like everyone, everyone remembers the chest bump with Greller and, and, you know, uh, but like that day at, at the travelers, like he, you know, he was kind of slapping the ball around all over the place. He didn't really do a whole lot for, for most of the day, but like when it came down to it, you know, he ended up doing what he always does. And it was the, it was the same thing to Burkdale. Like now granted, like Burkdale was playing tough that day, like the first few holes, you know, I, everyone, everyone was trying to struggling on those opening holes, but like, you know, Spieth kind of came back a bit and, you know, that's when allowed Cooch to kind of go up in front and it's just, but th- this is just what he does. You know, he, he doesn't, you know, like the, the criticism of Rory not being able to win with his A game, I think is a little overblown. But like the fact is, is that when Jordan's not playing super great, he can still go out and win. And that's that's something that you just don't see from a lot of other players. I know that some people don't necessarily want to get as excited about Spieth as they, I think they probably should. And it's because he's not DJ and Rory length. But I think this is kind of where we get lost in the sauce on the length conversation in golf and that. Speed. There is a difference between being super long and being not long enough. Uh, let, let me phrase that. There's a difference between long enough and not long enough, right? There's a, if you're in the right. middle tier in driving distance, 
uh, on tour, you are at a disadvantage a lot of the time. Spieth is long enough. Like he is not going to keep up with Rory off the tee, but he hits it plenty far enough to put himself in a position to get close to the hole after two shots, which is to me the name of the game. Uh, Somebody like Rory can hit it past him, but Jordan at this point in their careers is better at hitting the ball close to the hole. And once he gets on the greens, yeah, he has issues with short putts, but from medium range, he's one of the best, if not the best putter in the world. So, that's that's a guy the, the the formula of getting I don't know what his strokes gained putting or strokes gained approach was for the year but he really set himself apart on tour as far as guys that fire at flags and to me that this year for Spieth was I don't want to say more impressive than 15 I think 15 was just that kind of overachieving year if we're being honest I mean winning the Masters and winning the U.S. Open everything kind of fell his way to win the U.S. Open and obviously things really didn't fall his way at the PGA. He played good enough to win it, and he was so yeah. unbelievably close at the Open Championship. But to me, this was more validating. Like, 16 was, and as he yeah. said many times, it was not a bad season even remotely, but kind of people were comparing it to his 15. This was just kind of like, all right, this is where we're going to settle for what he actually is, which is a future Hall of Famer in my mind, and guy's probably going to win. I think I gave him eight if I if I estimated. I think he's going to win eight <laughs> majors, but I don't want to backtrack off that. But I think six is like a you know if we're not talking Anthony Kim disappearance or Tiger injuries, like pretty much a guarantee <laughs> yeah. if we're if I'm being honest. So um, I don't know. Yeah. I thought I thought it was just a very validating year, and it kind of kind of announced to the golf world that like look, I'm not fading at all. Like 16 was first of all not a bad year, but like this is this is the kind of player I am. Yeah, no, I think I think a lot of this too. Like, and it's something that I talk about a lot is that like it's it. This is this is the this is one of the ti- the things that you can definitely term as like as the Tiger effect, right? Like, Tiger was so good and so dominant and so like just so captivating to watch. But I think it's it's made it so hard for a guy like for a guy like Spieth to actually get the proper respect that he that he deserves. Like, same is true of Rory. Same is true of, of even someone like DJ, who's more of a little older, but like. We we just don't we, we don't appreciate how good Speed is and it's it's just a fact like he's he's a special player like he's got, what eleven tour wins at twenty four like that's insane like we're we're not and and we don't talk about it enough like we talk about how good he is yes we talk about all kinds of stuff but like we're talking about a historically significant player and it just doesn't seem like he gets enough credit for that yeah and I know this this point gets kind of lost when you even mention the comparison between like Spieth and Tiger you get laughed at and there isn't a, c- a comparison but to the I the point no. I try to drill home is that to this point in their in their careers at this age Spieth has outperformed Tiger in terms of major championships that's that's pretty remarkable now right at this age the coming season for Spieth is when Tiger won the Tiger Slam so that perspective <laughs> is going to change and what Tiger had obviously has done in his career is never going to be matched and I, I it's impossible to hold speed to that standard. And I don't want to do that going forward. But I think to this point, it's, it's just noteworthy that like, Hey, he's outperformed what tiger did again. What made tiger really special is what happened. He won five of the next six majors, if I remember right. And, uh, and of course four in a row. So, um, that, that's just the kind of perspective on what we've seen so far from him that I think is sometimes lacking. I know speed started his career younger and, and all that, but I think, I do think that does definitely means something. So, um, all right, what's next? Uh, did, did you want to talk about Tiger? Um, I mean, th- yeah, it's, let's do it. I mean, I, 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 I know you went pretty deep with KVV and I know you're pretty optimistic about, you know, where, where things are kind of, where things are kind of sitting as we go into 2018. No, um, I think it's good to, it's good to drill home I, as, as often as I can say it. I just want 
to preach patience and I'm going to lose the patience. So I'm, again, maybe I'm doing this as a self restraining exercise, but um, I'm going to get overly excited if he starts playing really well at the farmers or whatever he shows up at next. But uh, the more we can emphasize that this thing is going to be, uh, it's a process as he says, and uh, <laughs> it's not going to be a short one. And it's, if he no. misses the cut at the farmers, I'm my stance is not going to change. Uh, if he makes the cut, I think I'll be, I'll be very encouraged, but again, just knowing that, that there's going to be some ups and downs going forward. And as long as we can, which I know we can, as long as we can restrain ourselves for the ride and kind of get, keep perspective on it. I really appreciated the things that KVV had to say about just the way we cover tiger and the people on the ground and how I, yeah. I wasn't watching his 75 or his poor round on Saturday, but reading on Twitter made it sound like he was going to shoot 85 and like people, people just lost perspective on what was actually happening. And it was, it's kind of like, man, all right. It's a, what, he didn't even like lose much ground. Like the rest of the field struggled on this day and we were freaking out yeah. about tiger struggling. And I don't know. So it, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be ugly. It's, it's the part of the, of covering and watching tiger that I don't enjoy. And I'm not, I'm not trying to act like I'm, I'm the master take guy on tiger, but it's, I don't know. I just, it amazes me how fast people lose their perspective on it. And you can throw that back at me whenever I say tiger's back when he birdies the first <laughs> hole at, at Tory South. Exactly. No, I, I think, look, it, it's, you know, this time at this time last year, like I think, I think we were all actually not not as optimistic, you know, as we are now. But like back then too, like it's it's hard, it's easy to forget that like you know, he played pretty well at the Hero in 2016 as well. And like you know, granted the swing didn't look as good. You know, he didn't he he still looked like he was kind of you know dealing with some kind of pain and all that. Um, but you know, there 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 was there was optimism back then too. And then you know, sure enough, you know he he ends up coming up with that ridiculous schedule plan that he put together for himself where he would, you know, where he would play Tory and he would fly over to uh, the Middle East. And then, you know, he was going to play, I believe something, he was going to play Riv and he was, he was playing like four, four tournaments in like a six week stretch just off of back surgery. And like, you know, it's, it's easy to kind of, it's easy to kind of forget that now in, in this, in this, you know, it's this new era of unbridled enthusiasm. Um, you know, he ends up, you know, throwing his back out again, probably somewhere on the flight. Maybe he was working out too much. I know that's something you've talked about. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's very easy seemingly to forget that too. And, you know, he had another surgery, you know, the, the DUI that happened, um, you know, he, he had some, he had some unfortunate hacked photos that came out during the year too. Like it was, it was this weird year for him, even before we talked about the fact that like, you know, he actually looks like he could be a competent golfer again in 2018. I had forgot about the hacked photos until you just said that again. <laughs> and the DUI does get kind of forgotten about, which I, I, I'm okay with. I think that kind of, I don't know, that, that had to be a bit of a wake up call for him to say that something, and I don't know what the updates are since then or what, you know, but there's obviously some issues that he had with uh, yeah. substances that needed to be addressed. And I don't want to, I don't want to assume that those are all addressed. And KVV also made the point about, you know, now he's going to be playing this time around, I don't know if he's off painkillers completely, but it's definitely a factor right. in that. Like I, he can't be using them at the pace that he was, which again, I don't know what it was, but it obviously wasn't good, whatever that combination was. So, uh, but yeah, again, to me, this comeback felt different. Um, the ball speed and the swing speed being in what it is and not, it just yeah. didn't feel like he was hanging on a string and it, it kind of did even at the hero last year. And definitely, obviously when he showed up in January, looking all swole, but <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. It just kind of felt like that. I, I felt like last year, whatever happened 
it, it was going to happen with his back at some point, regardless of what he did. Yeah. I, I don't want to think that the flight and the lifting and everything necessarily um, it may have expedited that process, but it felt like this was going to happen again, no matter what. This fusion surgery feels different, and ho- hopefully, again, I'm not, obviously no medical expert, but it, no. it does feel like this time around could be different. And the only way it's going to work is if he's if he's swinging his ass off like he was at uh, at the hero. So let's so hope we for something actually, good. I- I, uh, myself, uh, you know, Brendan Porath and, and, and Andy Johnson, we jumped on the fried egg pod, I guess, what, a few weeks ago now. Um, and, uh, you know, Andy asked us, like, if we, if, if he play, if he's healthy for a full season, say he plays, I don't know, 14 or 15 events, you know, how do we think he does? And, and both Brendan and I said that, you know, if he's healthy for those 15 events, you know, say he doesn't, he doesn't withdraw from any of them. He, he stays in, you know, maybe he misses a few cuts here and there. I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, but we both kind of said that we thought he was going to win a tournament. Is that does that kind of jive with what you think, or or do you think something different? If you asked me alone, I would say no, he won't win a tournament. But the thing I keep going back to is Phil, who was on the Golf dot com podcast around this time last year, around January last year, when asked like Shipnick asked him, "Do you think Tiger wins again?" And Phil, the way he answered, like, "Oh yeah," like, but it wasn't fake. It was just like, "Oh, well, yeah. of course he's going to win again." And to get that kind of recognition from somebody like Phil that, that's just been around the game so long and knows Tiger so well, and that to me is like the encouragement that I'm holding off on that one of his peers, like his long longest rival maybe ever, just thinks like without a shadow of a doubt that he's going to win again. That's what keeps me going with it. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I mean, I my, my whole thing, and I said this to Andy as well, is like, you know, we can all talk about like the reasons as to why he may not have, you know, played well over the last few years since I guess 2013. My my thought has always been like, you know, we the last time we probably saw him fully healthy was 2013. So yeah. you know, like like we can we can talk all we want about, you know, was it, you know, is is how is he mentally or you know does he have the yips or whatever? And it's like, okay, well, step one, let's make sure he's healthy. Like if he's healthy and able to play, that's that's step one. If he can do that, then we can kind of debate from there, like what what his ceiling is potentially. Um, you know, and, and so I, it's, it's one of the biggest, obviously one of the biggest stories of the year. And, and I'm super pumped to see where he goes from here, even though I'm, I'm being cautiously optimistic about where he stands going forward. Yep. It's going to be fun with, you know, I think, I feel like golf was hurting a bit in 2014, around 2014 when he really first vacated for a long period of time, but it's been a really strong year over year. Golf has gotten stronger and stronger. And now if we were able to add a healthy tiger to that mix, uh, it's going to make for a pretty great 18. I really do think so. So if, yeah, if we get 15 healthy tournaments out of them, that's just a peak in interest for 15 more events of the year without a doubt. I mean, we, we, are, are you, are you, are you adding him to your preliminary Ryder cup roster? Is that, is that what's going on too? <laughs> I do think that being a part of those teams has helped him. Like, I really do yeah. think that's kind of helped Something. motivate him and kind of, I think he spoke to it about how the things the guys have told him and, like trying to get him back out there has really kind of motivated him a little bit. So that's, that's, that does encourage me. No, I'm not, I'm not penciling him on the, on the <laughs> team with Peter Uline, who you think that I put on the team, but I did not. So you uh, may have done. It. I may have, have mentioned that he is like a consideration. A lot of things would have to go, go right <laughs> for him in 2018, obviously to, for that to happen. But again, a lot can happen. Um, all right, you you wrote, you wrote down on here, uh, Lexi at the A and A about uh, the the ruling incident that happened there. To be honest, that's you have a lot of LPGA stuff on here, and it's it's 
you know, now that this is a full-time gig, I need to be infinitely better at covering the LPGA. <laughs> but why, yeah. why did, uh, why did this story stick out to you so much to rank probably what's going to uh, end up being in your top five stories of the year? Yeah. I mean, it, it, for a couple of reasons, right? I mean, obviously, you know, the, the first being that, you know, we've talked a lot about the, the ridiculousness of the rules of golf, right? And then how like, you know, there's always there's always some kind of rule that can contradict another one, and you know they're going through all these big rule changes every few years and all that. Um, just just the idea that someone could actually call in um, when Lexi, I believe at this point, had six or seven holes left to play, and she could actually get a penalty from something that happened the previous day. Um, you know, just the idea of it is is ridiculous. I mean, not only did she get penalized for 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 you know the 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 coin being not you know put back in the right spot you know it was it was one of those things where like yeah she gets the two stroke penalty for that and then on top of that she gets she gets an extra two strokes for signing an incorrect scorecard when the scorecard she signed was correct when she signed it in the first place and like you know that you get the you get the outpouring of of support that she got from all kinds of people and and it was just you know it was it was one of those days where like it was one of you know where where if you tried to explain that to to anyone who wasn't a golf fan, they would have no idea why that was such a big issue. Um, and it was it, it was very it was one of the, it was absolutely one of the biggest stories of the year. Um, and you know the fact that she she handled it really well and you know she almost won. She ended up losing in a playoff. Like it was it was it was a big deal. It was, yeah. I mean, it, it it was for again for the wrong reasons. That's what that's what sucks. Yeah. It's like the biggest LPGA story of the year that we can all agree it was. You know, this horrible. App, I don't want to say horrible application of the rule, but just the golf getting in its own way. We've seen so many times, and you know, DJ at the U.S. Open was obviously a huge story in sixteen, which was somewhat somewhat similar. Uh, but this yeah. one was especially brutal. You come up to you in the middle of the round with as hard as people work for strokes and just say, "Hey, we're we're taking." Four strokes, four shots, four shots while you're leading a major. Like that is the yeah. worst. That is just the most brutal way for rules to insert themselves on a, on a Sunday afternoon. And um, do you, do you, how, I guess, what do you feel about the new rules, USGA rules and the changes that are being put into place for 2019? Do you think this fixes a lot of issues or do you think that um, I, I hear kind of mixed reactions from some players on some of these things? I mean, I, I think what I think a lot of what they did is, I mean, it's it's likely going to be positive, but I don't see how they're they're not they're not super big, you know, like they're not they're not big changes um, from what I from what I can tell anyway, um, you know, yeah, sure, the 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 thing that affected DJ, you know, at, at the U.S. Open, you know, last year, um, you know, that that's a big one, um, you know, th- like the the funny thing is, is that like, you know, and I and I wrote about this recently too, is that like you know, they, they put in this giant, like 22 month period of like commenting where they're like, okay, well, we're not going to do anything until the start of 2019. And it's like, well, but now the, the, the Lexi thing is basically that, you know, they've, they've put in a rule now where the TV viewers aren't going to be able to call in and, and change anything for 2018. So it's like, well, why did that one get bumped up? And it's just like, it's this whole thing where it's just, it's, it's confusing. And I, and I don't, you know, I don't quite understand why why they why we're actually waiting until 2019 for all these changes in general. Um, happy to see that they actually you know used their head and 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 put this one up to the to the front of the queue in 2018. Um, just the idea that people can actually call in and get something changed like that it just it it's always it's always sat poorly with me. So I'm happy that they're actually going to go out of their way and change it right away. 
Yeah, there's a change that needed to be made. It should have been made many, many years ago. Um, mostly just because I, I cringe when like I see something on TV that I'm like, oh, oh God, somebody's going to call in about that. Like uh, just yeah. a little minor thing, even if it wasn't a violation, be like somebody's going to think it was a violation, and it just it just adds this such unnecessary drama to the game. And I'm 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 excited to get kind of past that part of the game, but. Um, you have on this list as well, Phil's weird year. Um, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, and w- w- what to you stuck out as the really weird things about Phil Mickelson's season? Uh, so, well, so many, there's so many things. Um, you know, he, he was, he was at the, he was in Memphis. He was playing, uh, he was playing the St. Jude. Um, and he, and he said he got nervous when he saw his name at the top of the leaderboard. Like, <laughs> Phil Mickelson said he was nervous seeing his name at the top of the leaderboard. Like I know, I know he hasn't won in you know four years, coming up five years, coming up in twenty eighteen. But like, it, it's so out of character and bizarre. Like you know, you'd you'd expect that from you know, say like a twenty one or twenty two year old kid just off the web or something. You know, coming up on the back nine on Sunday of a PJ Tour event. Like, but that would make sense to me that they'd be nervous and they see their name at the top of the board. But like Phil Mickelson, man, guys won over forty times on tour probably the most irrationally confident like player of all time was, was nervous when he saw his name on the leaderboard. Like it didn't make any sense to me. I don't. And that's the thing is he's played good enough to win since then. Like the 2016 open was, you know, Jake Nichols will tell you the fifth best major performance in the history of the game. And part of me, and you know, kind of, I feel like that really rattled him. I feel like that, that, you know, with the way the game is trending, with all, and it wasn't a young guy that beat him, but just with how competitive no. golf has become, to put that performance out there and to have not won, I think is just kind of like, all right, this is this is not the same tour that I won on forty times, you know, and uh, yeah, um, yeah, and it was just kind of a, a weird weird season, and that you know, it, it seemed like he had trouble really maintaining his energy level for four rounds. He had a lot of flashes, yeah. Um, obviously they, you know, the, the bone split was, was quite odd. And a lot of people are still asking a lot of questions about that. And yeah. from everything I gather, there's nothing, there's not much to it. Again, I have talked about it on this podcast, but you know, 25 years is the exception to the rule. It's not, it's not, uh, you don't necessarily need one big incident or a specific reason to split after being around each other for that long. And, uh, I, uh, I've not had one single hint from one single person that, that there was anything major wrong or anything that essentially that bad that happened between the two of them. And from what I gather, they're still close. So, uh, I know yeah. people are still asking a lot of questions about that, but it was bizarre to change caddies like in the middle of the season after skipping the U S open. Well, and that's the thing, like he, so that's, so that's the other thing, right? So he skipped Aaron Hills. Um, Bones was at Aaron Hills doing, you know, his regular scouting of the course in the event that, you know, some kind of massive weather event, you know, happened and, and Phil was able to attend. And then just, you know, it seems, I believe it was just a few weeks later, like it was over. And it's like, I, I don't, it's just, it was bizarre. Like, you know, Phil, you know, like, and that's leaving out things like, you know, the, the round he had in Mexico on Saturday at the WGC where like, he was hitting it all over the yard, which is obviously a very Phil thing to do. But like, you know, he got he got two got two rulings on back to back holes where he found sprinkler heads inside the forest. Like it was just like this, you know, him trying to talk to the rules officials about those things was just you know it was your classic Phil moment. But like, you know, he he's he is still good enough to win. Like I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I mean, I don't think anyone would be shocked if he ended up winning a tournament or, or, or two this year. Like I don't I don't think that that anyone would be shocked at all. Um, you know, and 
you you have to think that he's basically a lock for the Ryder Cup unless he has this disastrous season. But like, it's just it was just a strange season. Like I, I don't I, I don't know what else there really is to say about it other than it was just really weird the way the way he kind of played and the stories kind of surrounded him. Yep. No, it's, it's a weird, weird year is the way, is the, is the way I would phrase it as well. So, um, all right, I want to move on to yet another young, exciting American player, uh, winning the U S open this year, which is Brooks Kepka. You have that as one of your top stories of the year. Why did this one reign significant with you? Uh, well, I mean, obviously just winning a major is, is the, you know, it's the, even though I'm personally of the opinion that we overrate them slightly. I mean, obviously it's, it's the, the four biggest tournaments of the year are, are the major championships. So, um, anytime that you get a, you know, a good young player coming, coming out of, uh, you know, not coming out of nowhere, but just a good young player coming out and, and winning the tournament. Um, you know, he basically just, he, he dominated Aaron Hills. I did just, it was a course that everyone kind of thought was tailor made for a guy like Kepka and, and he proved exactly why. I mean, you know, anytime you see a young player breaking through, it's, it's, it's good. Um, Aaron Hills was, I thought Aaron Hills was fun. Like I, I, you know, it wasn't the traditional U S open that I think a lot of people would like to see, but like, I'm always of the opinion that, you know, <laughs> you know, watching the guys struggle for four days is not exactly my idea of, of a fun golf tournament. So, um, you know, I just I thought it was a lot of fun to watch Kepler go out there and dominate. It was uh, it was it was great to see. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Hills is kind of a glimpse into what I think, and Andy is probably a better source for all this stuff than I am. I'm kind of piggybacking off of a lot of what he things he says, but he's kind of changed the way I think about the game and the way I see the game progressing with the emergence of technology, and that the courses that they're going to play are going to have to get more creative on how they challenge them, the players. And that yeah. you know, kind of creating this wide open space with wide fairways, um, for with and angles, with and angles. I didn't want to steal the exact phrase, but it's going to be how they're going to have to challenge guys into the future. And that you know, if you can just play the aerial game, lob it off the tee, lob it in close to the pin, then which is what a lot of PGA Tour courses are. Um, golf's not going to be that interesting. But if you can get creative on how you challenge guys, and uh, Jaime Diaz wrote an article about you know the. Uh, the changing of, I think, the 12th hole at TPC Boston and how yeah. when you renovate a hole with this or kind of trying to design a challenging hole in this era for the best players in the world is so difficult because you essentially will kind of ruin the hole for the mid-handicapper, right? It's impossible to really make yeah. a fun, good, challenging hole for a pro and have it be playable for an amateur with how far these guys hit it. Even by you know playing from white tees, it's just a totally totally different style or way of playing a hole. Um, so yeah. I, I think that if you're going to, you know, ne not necessarily punish guys for being in the wrong side of the fairway, but creating advantages for willing to take on certain bunkers, certain hazards to get yourself the best angle to greens and pins, uh, and having it play firm and fast to the point where, you know, if a pin's tucked on the left and you're on the left side of the fairway, you're not going to be able to get to a pin because you can't land it right, right next to it is going to be hopefully the way the game trends with challenging players and not knee high rough 22 yard wide fairways where guys are just hacking out into back into it and there's not much creative energy that goes into or strategy that goes into playing a course so uh well it's that, gonna be interesting on that point though it's gonna be interesting to see what they do with shinner talk right yeah i mean like exactly i, I it's it's like it's that you're you're not gonna find you know a much more different course from from aaron hills and shinner talk so like it, it's it's gonna be really interesting to see what they do i mean that that's now, typically, I would say that's probably not the type of course that you'd figure that Brooks Kepka would do well on, but who knows, right? I mean, it's uh, 
it's, it's going to be really interesting to see the, the, the contrast and, and on, a, on a traditional U.S. Open venue this year. Well, to be honest, I don't know a ton about Shinnecock. Just it's been, it's been what, 14 years since, since they went back there. But I think from what I gathered is they've, they've widened the fairways a lot there. But I don't know if it's based on the reaction from Aaron Hills. They are bringing them back in some. Um, right. And talking like with, with Zach Blair, like he's kind of in support of, of bringing it in some because in some places they're 60 yards wide and just, just probably too wide for how that course sets up. But I, 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 don't, right. I don't know. If, I think it's still going to be kind of more of that exercise of, of angles and whatnot and hopefully that playing fast and firm, just not at 2004 levels, that uh, is going to be a very, very unique challenge. And I think just these classic courses that um, – they just don't get met with the same criticism, the same bad attitudes going into it. I mean, people no. were pissed about Chambers going into it, and people were ready to rip on Aaron Hills before they even got there. And the low scores drove some people nuts. It doesn't bother me even one one bit. Um, uh, but, I mean, I think Shinnecock is just going to be better, like just more well-received uh, because right. of the fact that it's a classic course and has so much history. It would be, be great to have KVV on right now just to give his Jerry Player impression about, about how much of a travesty Chambers Bay was. Um, yeah, it, it, but you're right. It's just, it, it, you're right, though. Like, it, people aren't going to rip into Shinnecock. They're not going to rip into, you know, Riviera. They're not going to rip into Pebble. Like, it's just, it's just the way it is. But, like, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with that next year. Rory McIlroy, 2017. Um, why, why is that considered a big story to you? Uh, it was just, again, kind of like Phil, like it was just not so much, not so much weird, just kind of, kind of underwhelming, I would say. Like it was just, you know, he, he actually started off the year really well, right? Like he, he was in, um, you know, he was in the playoff, I believe in South Africa, like he finished in, in second over there. Um, but then, you know, he, he ended up, you know, re-injuring the rib, you know, he missed some time. You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how much of how much of the injury caused any kind of any, any kind of issues. I mean, it was like 2017 was the first year that he hadn't won a tournament since 2008. You know, like it's it, it was it was just strange. Now, granted, he played less tournaments this year than he had in pretty much any other year. He played 18 times worldwide, um, and he didn't have a horrible year. Like he finished in the top 10, I think, five or six times. Um, you know, he's still one of the top 10 players in the world. Um, he it just it just feels like you know Rory Rory's actually the the guy that um, like we just talked about Spieth about you know how uh, how unfair it is that we always compare these guys to Tiger like I think Rory probably gets it worse than any of them um, and how like you know we we see we see the potential with how good Rory can be um, and then when he doesn't end up winning two majors a year and doesn't win six starts like you know, all of a sudden like we we think he had a he had a horrible year I mean he he didn't I mean it was just the you know, the rib injury, you know, he changed equipment again, you know, he, he split with one of the many <laughs> top players who split with their caddies this year. Like it was just, it was just kind of weird and underwhelming again. Um, you know, obviously got married too. So, I mean, obviously there's a lot going on. So I, I would, I would think that there's a lot better in store in 2018, to be honest. Yeah. I think Rory also gets, gets victim of being compared to Rory, like to have won yeah. four majors by the time you turn 25, people just expect that pace to continue. And it's just, not always the way the breaks fall and uh not to say he's been unlucky in recent years to not win majors but uh this past year just felt like kind of treading water and just couldn't really get going with the injury and all the uncertainty around around the equipment and kind of how that's essentially how he injured himself was testing equipment for hours and hours and hours and having too much too much freedom there and uh kind of really unsure to what to dial in or how to dial in all of the all of the freedom he had there and uh, but yeah, he viewed it as a transition year and I think he's, he's, I don't know. I feel like we go through this with him where we 
I keep trying to convince myself, oh, he's super motivated now. He's motivated now. But it really does. He's, he says he's playing like 30 events next year. I think he's going to make eight starts yeah. before the Masters next year. Yeah, he's um, crazy. He's adding Pebble. He's I think he's he's committed to the Travelers again, right? I think. Yeah, um, yeah he is. And so it's going to be – we're going to see a lot of him, and it's not going to be this kind of question mark of, of his health. I don't think. I mean – I haven't, I haven't spoken with him. I don't know what the status of the rib is, but uh, I would imagine with this time off that that it, that it is, has healed, hopefully fully healed, and is no longer going to be an issue going forward. So if that means we have a happy, think, happy healthy Rory, I think, I think there's I think, I think there's a very reasonable take to to, to suggest that, like, you know, if you, if you really think about everything that we just talked about, right? So it's like, was he ever really fully healthy all year? Probably not. Um, the equipment change, you know, obviously there's a lot that goes into that. We've seen him make equipment changes before and kind of, you know, quote unquote struggle, um, in, in the aftermath, like every player seems to do when you have new gear, you know, going through a caddy split, you're getting married. There's just a lot of things going on. And it's like, I, I just wonder if like, you know, you have a, you have a much clearer head going into 2018. You finally got yourself healthy. You've gotten dialed in with your gear and all of a sudden, you know, the guy that didn't win a tournament in 2017 ends up becoming that guy that does win again three or four times in a year. Maybe wins in a maybe wins another major, and and you know, kind of not not that he's not in the conversation, but kind of gets himself back involved again with with you know your Jordans and your DJs and all those guys. And I think I think there's a very reasonable take to, to to suggest that that's exactly what happens next year. Yeah, he's kind of hurting the uh, the NLU podcast bump ratio. You know, <laughs> like a bunch of appearances last year and didn't really get the bump. So. Well, that's uh, why you have to put on big guns like me now, you know? It's I know. Just... This is going to be a huge bump for, for Sarsons 2018. Um, <laughs> John Rahm, he made your list of top events, uh, top stories of the season. What's the big takeaway from John Rahm? Uh, that he's absolutely terrifying. Um, <laughs> he, he, he's he, like, it, you know, I think, you know, did you mentioned Andy already? Like Andy, Andy was on John Rahm way before anyone else that I, at least I saw anyway. Um, and actually when I, when I, uh, when I did my comparison of, of uh, golfers to people on golf Twitter, I actually compared Andy to John Rom because he just kind of like just kind of exploded out of nowhere. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, this guy is the guy that you should be watching and paying attention to. Right. Um, you know, he, he, he won what three times, I think in 2017, like he won the farmers um, just a ridiculous approach and chip onto the 18th um, at, at Torrey. Uh, won the Irish Open, which is obviously huge, and then won one again at the at the end of the year in Dubai. Like he's he's a stud. Like he's what fourth, third or fourth in the world right now. Um, he he is he is the guy that everyone points to that you know makes you believe that you know the European Ryder Cup team is not uh, is not as much of an underdog as people like you might suggest. I knew you were gonna do it. I knew you were gonna do it. No, it's true. I don't think that, I never said they were a huge underdog. I think the U.S. is favored. All right, one of the best players on the European team has already said that as well. All right, we're not going back on that. Um, <laughs> but no, like, but like you can you can clearly see the the trajectory here, though, right? Oh no, like, yeah. I mean, you, he you know, terrifies like, me. He he terrifies me. He really does. But I really really enjoy watching him, and I'm a, I'm a fan of yeah. him. So he terrifies me that one week of the year. The rest of it, I'm I'm pretty <laughs> much a fanboy, and uh, we'll be rooting for him. We had a bl- I I've really enjoyed kind of chatting with him at the uh the bmw this year we got to play in the pro-am yeah. together and he's he's just a he's just a good dude he's like, you just forget how much of a kid that guy is and a lot of these guys yeah. are i think he's well, he's 22 or 23 he's yeah. he, he was 22, 22 at the time i don't know if he's turned 23 but he is just just a kid and you know people i've, I've said things too about his maturity level and his his anger levels and stuff and you it's easy just to forget how young 22 is and 
thinking about how immature I was at 22 and how immature <laughs> I still am. It's really hard to be, yeah. to be that critical of guys that, you know, they grow up in front of your eyes and you don't really, you kind of forget that they still have a, a ton to learn. And, you know, four, four years ago or not, not even four years ago, like let's say yeah, maybe four or five years ago, he's like a freshman in college just coming over from Spain yeah. and stuff. And the fact that he's learned English to the level that he has and kind of has the personality that he has, he's definitely going to be an exciting guy to watch going forward. Uh, we talked already about the U.S. team event success at the top. Uh, that's one of your top stories. But then also you mentioned DJ's dominance. And, uh, again, a story I forgot happened. I, f- I just forgot that he wasn't at the, at the Masters this year. Yeah, he, 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 he slipped down the stairs and, and just ended up having to having to pull out. Uh, you know, it it's one of those things, too, where like it, it's – I'm not ever like a hundred percent sure that like Augusta is the place for him to win. Like maybe I could be completely wrong on that and he could win next year by seven and make me look like a complete idiot. But like it never, it never feels like the place for him. Uh, I know he's had some pretty good success over at, at there the last few years. Um, but like coming into the, coming into the tournament, like he was very like clearly like the guy to be watching, right? Like he, he, uh, he won three tournaments in the row. I believe, I believe it was Riv and then, uh, WGC in Mexico and then the match play like he was coming in as hot as you could humanly imagine and then just to see basically you know the not, like the air doesn't get deflated out of the tournament at the Masters regardless of who doesn't show up right I mean like we've seen it over the last few years you know Tiger hasn't been playing or whoever like you know the tournament's always going to be great but like it just felt like it felt like we were we were kind of deprived of something there you know like he was going for his fourth win in a row um, going for his for his second major championship, like you know, winning winning at a place uh, at like Augusta is obviously like a, a huge a huge deal. So it just kind of sucked that he wasn't there. And it's just you know, and the and the way that it all kind of the way that it all kind of happened, you know, it's just it was just it was just kind of it was just unfortunate that he that he couldn't see it through. Yeah, if there was ever a year that DJ was going to win the Masters, it was this year. Like he had so yeah. much momentum rolling into it, and it was you know the big the big story here is how much of a setback this was for anyone like me, myself that argues that golf is a sport because golf's best, <laughs> best athlete fell down the stairs the night before the Masters was supposed to start and couldn't play in it. Like, come on, man, you're killing me. <laughs> you are killing me here. But well, it's, um, it's like we saw him. He was he was warming up on the range on on the Thursday morning. Like we're looking like he was going to be ready to go. And like I'm I'm watching it. And I'm like, man, he does not look like he is ready to play golf today. Like it was just it was just it just kind of sucked that he wasn't there. Uh, can we talk about Patrick Cantlay? Sure, another one of your Ryder Cup players, from what I understand. That one, I'm I'm committed to. Okay, I'm I'm willing yeah. to predict he's going to be on the team because I think, yeah. even though he got zero points for winning in in Vegas, I think uh, I think he is going to be a Ryder Cupper next year, and I think uh, the world. I mean, again, I think we talked about this at the top of the show. That was 11 days ago, so I don't really remember. But um, <laughs> the people have been, you know, the the guys that are even uh, are more diehard than I have been all over this guy, and I'm jumping on the bandwagon that. He's uh, he's top twenty, top ten future player in in the world, and uh, is going to be a superstar. And guys are just now starting to starting to see that actually come come to fruition. And guys been through a lot to get to this stage, but that win in Vegas I thought was big. Um, you know, a lot of guys like JT have won in the fall series to kind of really get their the first win and get their careers jump started. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him win multiple times in eighteen. I think that's a not unreasonable expectation. Am I getting too far ahead? Oh no, not at all. Um, like I think like Andy again, again on top of all of these things, much better than you and I ever could be. Um, like Andy been Andy's been on this for a while about how like you know this was this was the guy that made you know that made Jordan Spieth look like a relatively pedestrian college player. Like th- this is not 
this what what we saw in Vegas was always what was supposed to happen. And then you know all of the stuff that happened to him, you know, personally with, you know, some he's dealt with some tragedy, and then his you know his back injury obviously um, has been the big the big thing. Like you know, just in case anyone's kind of wondering, like you know he he has not coming into 2017, like he had not played in an event that that had awarded world ranking points since 2014. Yeah. And, and, and he's 40th in the world. Like, <laughs> like, like it's, it's insane. Like he, he is like, he played 14 times and he was able to jump from not having any points whatsoever to being 40th in the world. Like he is a stud made and he cut. is made every single cut. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it's made every cut. You know, he, he, he won once he, I believe he finished runner up at least once. I think this is a Valspar. He finished as a runner up. Like he is, he is absolutely a guy that we should be paying way more attention to going into 2018. Um, you know, is he's, is he going to be on that Ryder cup team? I would not be shocked at all. If he was, let's talk about a guy who made zero cuts in 2017. Very disappointing. Season. Steph Curry just couldn't get it going. <laughs> Just couldn't, just couldn't get it going from from distance. Um, no, he, yeah, it was just no, no cuts, no, no commitment to the game whatsoever. <laughs> he did, he did show out shooting. What he shot seventy four, seventy four. Is that right? Something like uh, that. Something to that effect. Yeah. He beat some professional golfers in a professional golf tournament, which I thought was not insignificant. It was really cool the way that played out. I was doubting he'd break eighty. I do think he kind of. Tita Green, from what I heard from guys there, that he was all over the place and just got up and down from everywhere. I think he was, you know, over the course of time, it would get more exposed. And I, 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 yeah. I, I, I hate it. The only thing I disliked about it was it, it, the, what I wanted to see was the true gap between like a scratch player and a professional. And I think he right. probably played, scored about as well as he could have uh, and didn't fully show that gap, which again, I wasn't rooting for him to fail, but I, I do just no. think like, kind of wanted to gain the full appreciation for what it's like to go up against, against these guys. And I've got, I've been fortunate enough to play with, you know, some pros in the past couple of months. I play off like two or three handicap and I think right. I, I'm yet to get with, I got within 10 strokes of Z, of ZB at Royal Melbourne. And that's the closest I've been, <laughs> um, which it does. It's, it's just demoralizing how they're just net, just how they're always on the green and two and always putting for birdie. And when they're not, yeah. they have a six footer for par that they always make. And it's, uh, so yeah, it, it, it was, it was cool to see the kind of the web.com guys take a risk and, you know, be open, available and open to that criticism and see it pay off and see the interest in that event. And what, why can't I think of it? What is the, there, there's some, somebody has committed to a 2018 event. That's even more outrageous than Steph Curry. Who was uh, it? was it Jake Owen? I think that sounds right. Yeah. I think that, um, that one, I'm not so sure. Of. <laughs> we'll yeah, see. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I, I'm not, I was, I was, I wasn't overly optimistic about Steph's chances. I mean, he blew my mind. Like I, I never would have thought I, I thought he was going to miss the cut obviously, but like the fact that he was actually like, he was just as good as he was, was, was just insane. Jake Owen, I, uh, I do not have the same level of expectation for, I can honestly say, but I mean, that was, I mean, I, I follow web.com tour. Definitely not as close as I should. Yeah. And, and, but I was like checking hole by hole updates. Like that's, that's the yeah, point so of these things. I. Like I was interested in it and to see golf kind of, you know, a lot of golf ideas are just bad. Like we talk about this pretty much every day in our group chat and that you just uh, kind yeah. of roll your, for every, you know, one good idea like this, there's 5,000 bad ones and it's just yeah. bland corporate marketing attempts to do something yeah. creative and trendy and whatnot. And they just, it's all made, decisions are all made by the wrong people that just don't have the sense of how, 
how things actually work on the ground. And this was one that came together, and it's it's not <laughs> it's noteworthy when that happens in the game of golf, to be honest. Yeah, so. it was just it was just really cool. Like it was one of those things that like you know, we always talked about. Like when does when does you know when does golf get on you know PTI or when does golf get on Sports Center or when does golf end up it, you know, end up going aside from outside of you know basically the the regular channels and and the regular podcasts and all that stuff. And this and it's usually only Tiger related, but this this is what got it done. And and like. It's just really. I'm, I was shocked at how well he played. I'm. I'm, I'm hopeful that he would do it again. Like I, I don't know. Like you said, maybe at some point he gets exposed a little more. But like, it, it's just. It's incredible that he can be as good as as good as he is. I mean, he's obviously one of the best basketball players in the world. But like, you know, the fact that he's this good is actually just. It's insane to me. It's remar- It really is remarkable to play a professional sport. You know, nine months a year and show up at a at a professional golf event and and play as well as he did. It's it's it really was remarkable. It was impressive. So yeah. I'm glad that made the list. Um, is Bubba done? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I think no. I don't um, think so either. No, no. He's he there. <laughs> there is no way that he can have as bad of a year as he did in 2017. Um, like. I, I believe I've mentioned this in, in our in our chat uh, a couple of times, but like he he is actually in like uncharted like world golf ranking territory here. Um, like he finished 2016 as the 10th ranked player in the world. He is now the 84th ranked player in the world. Um, after missing, I believe seven or eight cuts, he didn't. I think he finished in the top 10 a couple of times um, in 2017. Um, but like he, I believe what the, the, the research I've done so far is that no player has ever finished inside the top 10 at the end of one calendar year and fallen as far as Bubba has fallen, um, in, in, in the next calendar year. Um, it's, it's actually, it's crazy to me that he's, that he's fallen this far and obviously tons of reasons why I'm sure you want to talk about Volvic before, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, that, that I have to think that's the primary reason. Um, this is a good point to bring up that uh, this podcast is brought to you by Volvic. Uh, <laughs> swing on by your local adventure golf store to pick up your dozen Volvic golf balls. <laughs> I just, it just, <laughs> I just don't know how you could like play golf your entire life, right? And yeah. play professional golf for a very long time to play professional golf at a very high level for a long time to yeah. be a two-time major champion and to walk away from. A obviously what is a very strongly performing golf ball for you and play colored golf balls because somebody wants to give you a million dollars for it. Like it is one of the more baffling decisions in that I can remember in modern day golf. I really, I really can't. I mean, equipment matters at a certain level. I'm not sure how much the equipment matters to the professionals and that they can get things tuned in and dialed to certain ways that fit them. But your golf ball has to be at least one of the best performing golf balls in the world, not a colored golf ball uh, like from Korea. Uh, it's it's mind blowing that that decision, and uh, I was not surprised to see him struggle with it. I don't know if that's a hundred percent of the blame, but man, you have to you have to think that has a strong strong uh, influence on it. It may be the best commercial for Titleist ever that he's back oh, to them yeah. without even a ball deal. Like if he like like wouldn't. Am I crazy? Like, would Titleist or anybody else like would they not be willing to actually make him a colored ball? Like, am I or am I just <laughs> like, like I just don't get it. Like, if that's like, obviously it was about something financial, but like I just don't understand. Like, I don't understand. I never understood it. No, it's just so funny. We're talking about what was a top ten player in the world needing a colored golf ball, like that being a criteria. 
maybe maybe his play had something to do with the fact that I compared him to Tron. Maybe he was just upset about that too. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's that could be it. I'm I'm guessing. That. <laughs> I think Tron's performance dipped because of that as well. Yeah, was, that was a yeah. that was a danger. That was a big hit to Tron. <laughs> um, you have Poulter getting his card back and playing well as a top story on here. You, you're gonna have to convince me here, and it's not just my dislike for Poulter. I just didn't I didn't think that was a huge story. I I will I will partially admit that I put this on our topic list just to talk to you about Poulter. Okay. Um, he he it is in I can't remember where I've got it ranked right now. It's in the top thirty on my list. Um, just because like you know it was obviously a, it's a what we're talking about here is you know someone just like Bubba as well like. Guys like I know you're not a huge fan of either of those guys, but they are ultimately, in my opinion, anyway, they're they're good for the for the game. Like they're you know they they are characters. There are people that you know gain some level of interest and excitement when they play. Um, and Poulter Poulter fell in the world ranking mostly because he was hurt. Like it wasn't like it was a it wasn't like because he he couldn't you know he wasn't playing all that well. You know the fact that he managed to get his card back on a technicality that the tour made a mistake on and Brian Gay had to get him his card back. Essentially. It was just, it was just this weird thing. And then like he actually gets his card back and then he starts playing well again. Um, you know, if, uh, if I, so right now he's inside, he's close to the top 50 in the world. Um, but like, you know, he almost won at the players, uh, you know, you know, got beat out at the end there by Siwoo. Like he, he played well down the stretch. And I mean, I don't think it's a stretch to suggest that you're going to be dealing with him again at the Ryder cup next year either. I'm fine with that. I'm not afraid of that. It's been it'll have been <laughs> six years now. since Medina. He was bad at Glen Eagles. I'm not I wanted him to be on that sixteen team. I wanted him to I wanted him to be on that team yeah. that got beat by five. Um okay. I, 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 that's fine. Poulter he, I'm fine with what you said. He's good for the game and whatnot. I just don't I don't I don't I don't fear him the way I used to. So um No, you shouldn't. You yeah. shouldn't fear him. It's just it's but it, it is it is interesting to see him kind of play better and, and, and kinda of get himself involved again. It's just the whole story was just bizarre and, and it's just you know, it's just one of those weird things that happened this year. You have written down here something about the super low numbers that were shot on tour this year. Uh why why did you think that was especially significant to last year? Uh, well, we saw what three players, I think shoot 59, like JT shot 59 at Sony, uh, Adam Hadwin shot 59. Um, and I believe Sam Saunders shot 59 somewhere as well. Um, we had a bunch of, we had a, a few major 63s. We had a major 62. We have a new 62 on a, in a, in a major, like it, it just, it's, you know, we, we kind of talked about this earlier too, with, with how courses are going to have to adapt to how the, to how the players are playing now. Um, the ball obviously goes super far, probably too far at this point. Um, and, uh, it's just one of those things where like, you know, the old course got demolished a few months ago, like, you know, by, by Tommy Fleetwood and a few other players who were playing at the Dunhill. Like it's, it's one of those things where we're just going to keep going down this path. Right. I mean, it's just, the numbers just, it feels like the numbers are going to keep getting lower. I know, I know, I know you've talked on the pod before about, you know, about players like JT thinking that they can go even lower than 59 and, um, you know, I mean, Jim Furyk shot 58 last year. Like it, it's, you know, it, it feels like we're, we're going down this path where the numbers are just going to keep down lower and lower on a, on a pretty regular basis. Yeah, no, I think it, I don't have an issue with it. I have an issue with what that's going to mean for course setup. Right. And that yes. things yeah. are going to get done just to prevent kind of these hilariously low scores that I don't think are good, you know, like tricking up pin positions and, yeah. you know, putting, putting holes on knobs and making greens un, unholdable and stuff like that, that I just don't, 
it's you stop rewarding really great golf shots when you get to that level so that that's the only reason i dislike it but you know it's just until something happens with the technology at the professional level guys are going to keep taking it deeper and deeper and you can put you talk to guys that say like make it eight thousand yards. We don't care. Like the length isn't going to stop us. Like no. we're still going to be we're we're really good at golf. And if it's if it's yeah. if it's soft, no matter how long the course is, we're going to shoot low scores. So I'm I'm fine with it just because again I I don't I I I appreciate tournaments that you know you can have a birdie fest and have it be a really good championship if if absolutely if there's strong challenging factors that that separate the really, really good shots from the average shots, then I think that makes for a good championship tournaments like the career builder and stuff that are just straight birdie fest and not a lot of element to it. And there's always huge bunches at the top. That doesn't really do it for me, but I had no problem with the low scores at, at Aaron Hills and, you know, the open championship, we never talk about the issues with low scores. I mean, shoot, of course, Hoy Lake, all those courses have been 18 under 20 under have won there. And it's just not nearly as as big of a deal. The conditions dictate the scoring there. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's a necessarily a problem. I just think yeah. it's it's definitely notable that like we we saw these pretty pretty significantly high number of low scores that were shot this year, um, and it and it feels like it feels like it's just going to keep going down this path. And like you said, I don't want this to get to a point where like like you know Marion in 2013 where the USGA felt the need to trick it up to such ridiculous levels, and like I don't want it to get to that point. Um, but it feels like that's what might end up happening if if they don't figure out some way to rein the ball in. So did you think um, you thought Marion was too tricked up? I thought Marion was yeah. I think the greens were 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 off. I think um, I mean I know a lot of players talked about that too. And I remember Zach Johnson was visibly upset about the whole thing. Well, that um, that that's that makes me appreciate the setup then. If it made Zach Johnson <laughs> upset, but I actually yeah. I, I point to Marion as as a good example of, and maybe I don't remember it that well, but just. How it was a golf course with a ton of mid three hundred yard par fours that were challenging that challenged the players yeah. and it was it was hard to get close to the close to the pins and um, I don't know I, it was kind of a bloodbath near the end I think Rose wanted it plus three or something like that but um, I thought that was that's kind of a nice alternative to seventy five seventy six hundred yard just slug fest. Oh, but I agree. Yeah, I agree. I'd have to I'd have to dig back in on, on twenty thirteen on that one, but. <laughs> Um, all right, a couple more because we're, we're, we're over an hour here. Um, Jason Day's struggles. Um, significant story to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, like he, I think mostly because, you know, he, he was so good in 2015 and 2016 um, that, like, there, there was bound to be a bit of a regression, right? I mean, like, he, uh, in, the, in the strokes named era, like, he actually had the best putting season of all time uh, last year. Um, he's the only player uh, to date that has actually averaged uh, more than more than a full stroke gained per round on the greens over over a full season, um, and he did that in 2016. So yeah, there was going to be some regression, but like it just felt like he he didn't really get himself involved at all in in 2017, and it's just kind of bizarre when you consider that you know we were looking at him and Rory and, and Spieth as like this you know this de facto big three for whatever that means, but like you know. He just didn't seem to get himself involved at all. I mean, uh, and obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons for that, right? I mean, you know, he's got perpetual back pain. Like he's apparently even at times it's so bad that he has trouble walking. Um, you know, his his mother was diagnosed with cancer, and obviously that played a large role in in his mindset. I would say throughout throughout the throughout a large portion of the year, uh, he split with he split with Colin Swat and his caddy. Like it was just this. 
it was just this up and down year. It was just really strange. Um, he played well towards the end. I mean, he's he's had a good run here towards the end of the year. Um, but yeah, no, it was just it was just weird that he didn't kind of get himself involved more uh, throughout the season. Yeah, I think you kind of hit it with the regression to the mean on the putting, and I think it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to say to generalize it, but it could have had a trickle down effect on his ball striking. Right, he didn't have the same confidence in the putter as he as he did right. in the prior year. Um, I don't know. I just thought that. That stretch he had was so unbelievably great that it yeah. didn't feel that authentic. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't even know what that means. But to me, it didn't feel like. <laughs> it definitely didn't feel like something that was going to last, and it was unrealistic yeah. to expect it to last. So I, I, I'm not surprised to see him come back down to earth from that stretch. But just to see somebody fully reach their potential for an extended period of time like that yeah. was scary. It was <laughs> scary, and it's kind of jarring that it came back down as extreme as it did. And I mean, I mean, he wasn't like missing a ton of cuts and stuff like that, but no. you know, to go from winning seven events in 13 or whatever he want, whatever that ridiculous percentage was to, yeah. you know, not really winning anymore in, in recent history is kind of, it's kind of jarring. Um, yeah, I think, I think he'll have a, I think he'll have a bounce back somewhere to Rory next year. Like maybe you know, he'll, he'll win again next year and, and we'll kind of forget that this whole thing even happened. I would say not, you're not going to Kyle Porter it and say he never wins again. Uh, no, that's a ridiculous take from Kyle. I've been on the record repeatedly. I've told that to Kyle. It's, it's insane. He's going to win again. All right. Last thing on the agenda, 2019 schedule changes. Uh, we saw the, the players is going to move. PJ championship is going to move. Uh, what do you, what is, what is your reaction to the changes? Uh, I, I mean, I like them. I mean, I liked the idea of, you know, basically the, the early, like the early portion of the year, you know, the way like the, the players used to be earlier in the year, um, it gives it gives us a nice little a nice little run there where you know we go players in March, Masters in in, in April, uh, PGA in May, you know, U.S. Open in June, and then the Open in July. Like it's a nice it's a nice little stretch. Um, hopefully, it allows them to kind of you know kind of maybe get the season done a little faster ahead of the NFL. Um, the Presidents Cup is going to uh, to to Australia in December in 2019, so that's a so that's a big one. Um, you know the the Valero, I believe, is moving to be the tournament before the Masters instead of Houston. Like, there's a lot of things kind of going on. It's it's any kind of like massive schedule changes is a is a pretty big deal. I think, but I think it does give a lot more balance to the actual schedule. I think it I think it's going to make things a lot more uh, you know evenly spread out. It's going to be more fun for for people who want to watch. Yeah, I think it was it was apparent that changes needed to be made, and that with yeah. the the things guys are saying about how long the season is and everything, there needs to be some kind of effort made to it to kind of preserve the special nature of a lot of these events. So, um, yeah, I think yeah, it's it's at least a step in the right direction. It's it's really hard to shake up the schedule more than they already are. So, in that regard, I think it's a it's a good solid change. But all right, with that, let's put a wrap on uh, 2017. That was a fun year. Um, yeah. I, I don't know about you, man. I'm, I'm even more excited for 2018. I think adding Tiger to the mix like we talked about and kind of seeing, uh, A, one, it's a Ryder Cup year, uh, and seeing, <laughs> seeing kind of this emergence of uh, these young guys, the, the break, the real breakthroughs we saw in the last year, kind of watching these guys take, take to the next level is going to be interesting to watch. So uh, look forward to uh, where, where can people find this top 100 list and when are you going to have it all done? Uh, I'm still writing it. Um, it's one of those things where like I ended up writing it earlier in the year and then, you know, all of a sudden it was mid December and I was like, Oh my God, I still have way more to do than I want to. Um, but yeah, you can go to my website, adamsarson.com. It'll all be there. Um, I've got four posted already. 
Um, there's going to be more throughout the end of the year and then uh, leading into 2018. So looking, looking forward to, uh, to another fun year. It was, it was great in 2017, but uh, I'm actually even more excited for 2018 than I was for 2017. So I'm excited to see where it goes. You're a better man than I am to be able to put together that list and dedicate that amount of time to it. So <laughs> for that, we thank you and make sure you guys check that out. Sarson, we will be, uh, of course, checking in with you throughout the year. Uh, enjoy the holidays uh, up north. Same to you. Stay warm. Keep that electricity on and uh, we'll speak soon. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me. You got it. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. 